Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Well, good morning. As a dad of two little girls, I never want them to be afraid. I, I have really big desires for them. I want them to know that they have very few limits with hard work. I want them to know that they can overcome anything. I want them to know that they're loved and that they have value no matter what happens or what they do. I want them to know that there's a God who loves them and wants them to prosper. I desire all of those things for my, my two little girls. Yet if I'm real with you, I know fear is a real thing they're going to experience. Feelings of being without value is something that'll probably happen for them. They're going to go through moments where they'll feel that they're without opportunity or behind this major roadblock. They'll have times where moving past some of their mistakes will feel like it's impossible. And honestly, I know they're going to encounter evil out there, an evil that could maybe hurt or manipulate them. I don't like this as a dad. I don't, but I'm a realist, and I know these are all possible because, because I've experienced it myself. I've been afraid. I've been without value. I've been stuck. I've made giant mistakes that I'm not proud of and I feel stuck behind. I've felt like a fraud at times. I've felt restricted. I've been hurt by others through evil. And honestly, I'm sure you have or you know someone who has experienced these things as well. So if that's us... How do we overcome? Or how do we help others overcome? I mean, some people do, right? Some people just overcome. But why do some overcome and some don't? How do we keep this childlike innocence between us like, and pass it on to ourselves or our children or others around us? How do we pass on this mindset where we aren't to fear? We know we have full value and that we, we have this drive where we believe we can do almost anything we put our mind to. Well, today we're going to cover all of that today, um, so welcome. It's going to be a full service, but before we go any further into this, I, I want you to know that we're in this newer series that we're calling Walk This Way, and throughout the series, what we're doing is we're telling stories of followers of Jesus directly from what we can read about in the Bible, uh, and then we're going to apply the life changes they made to our own lives and try to make it relevant to us today. But in addition to that, for this series, we're also going to be showing some scenes from The Chosen to help paint a clear picture of maybe what that looks like. Watching The Chosen at home before or after this series, it could help you in your walk with God and your understanding. You definitely don't need to watch it ahead of time, or you don't need to watch it to engage with the Sunday sermons. It's just an extra thing that's available to you and your family. But before you do that or watch The Chosen, Last week I gave a big disclaimer on it since the show is a drama and one where people need to be entertained in a sense and they, they hope that people binge it as in like what most Netflixers do. They watch them all one after the other after the other. So there are assumptions the directors had to make and creative elements that were added for backstories to make the show what it is. So you definitely need to verify things in your Bible uh, if you're watching that show. But throughout this series, 
we're going to be showing different clips from the first season of The Chosen, and we're talking about how, how some of the scenes, they actually do paint a pretty good biblical picture. If you've seen it before, you know the, the scene that we just started with, that beginning scene, is supposedly Mary Magdalene as a child. Uh, this scene and the dialogue of it, this is not in Scripture. That is not in Scripture, but Mary of Magdalene is... Mary of Magdalene is brought up a number of times in the Bible. She's a woman who had this encounter and life change with Jesus. Uh, she, to nerd out with you just a little bit about her, um, many people have a lot of confusion with Mary of Magdalene. Uh, but as far as we can know, uh, there's, there's some specific details about her. First off, there seems to be just a ton of Marys in the Bible, right? Like, there's just a lot of Marys, it seems. But Mary Magdalene, what that means is woman from Magdala. Um, Magdala is a place. She was not the Mary who was with Martha hustling around when Jesus visiting. She's not Jesus' mother Mary. In the Bible, nowhere does it say that she was a prostitute or the woman who wept at Jesus' feet with the perfume. Unlike what popular culture likes to say, such as fictional books like The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown, nowhere in the Bible does it say she's Jesus' girlfriend or wife. But Mary is more remembered in the Bible as a woman who first met Jesus, kind of like this scene. A forewarning, this scene's a little bit more intense. It's about 15 seconds long. Mary is one whose scripture says had demons within her. Luke 8, 2 says, And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. She was healed of evil spirits and infirmities, which mean physical or mental weakness. And seven demons? Wowza. Wowza, right? Like, I don't know what that even could possibly look like, but it sounds unimaginable, right? Like something that changed her mental state, something that changed who she was and destroyed a lot of what the public maybe perceived her as. Many scholars, they believe that the reference of the number of demons within her, seven, it could mean a couple of different things. Some maybe think that Mary had to undergo seven exorcisms, probably over a long period of time due to the first six being unsuccessful. I'm not into horror movies or like this freaky stuff, but... That just sounds intense. That sounds crazy. Like, just watching seven straight horror movies sounds intense to me. So, like, to deal with seven, like, things in, inside you, crazy. Other scholars, they say that since the number seven is a biblical number to show completion, it's a way of saying that she was essentially a complete goner. Mary was a goner. Like, Mary just didn't exist, just the evil within her did. Or it could have just been seven demons. Who knows? But needless to say, she had something quite off about her before she met Jesus, and then something changed. The Chosen, it portrays her transformation kind of like this scene. Check it out. I just want to understand how it happened. It makes two of us. <laughs> how long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. 
Someone else? He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. Again, Scripture tells us what changed her was Jesus healed her. It's written in more than one spot, Mark 16, 9, Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Mary experienced transformation, and it's awesome to hear about, right? Do you ever like looking at transformation stories of like the pictures of before and then afterwards? Like house flips, or people flip, or furniture flips, or car restorations, or a financial flip, or people who overcame an addiction, overcoming a mental negative state. It's inspiring to hear and see and witness those stories of transformation, right? So much so that I want to say like 10 years or so ago, that was like all the rage. The DIY transformation shows were like what it was all about. Who remembers this show, Extreme Home Makeover? Who watched it? Anybody? All right, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. For my younger crowd out there, anybody watch Pimp My Ride? You know, with Exhibit on MTV or Made on MTV? Yeah, that was a big one for me. Pawn Stars? Any Pawn Star fans? Okay, like flipping an a, a item. Or American Pickers? Same kind of concept. Property Brothers? This Old House? The Biggest Loser? It seems we are obsessed as a culture with transformation. I don't think a lot of us would complain, like, if Exhibit from Pimp My Ride showed up to our house, it's like, we're going to pimp your ride, man, like, it's going to be awesome, like, we'd be pretty excited like these people. Or if, let's say, your neighborhood is chanting, move that bus, right, move that bus from Extreme Home Makeover, they're just so excited to see that house. Or maybe Chumley telling you your grandma's antique that you got inherited or whatever is worth a million bucks. You wouldn't complain with those things, right? I get these are a bit of the past type shows, but have you experienced or seen a transformation like this before? The stories, they're always so amazing, and it's exciting to think of what's next for that family, that person, that product. Like for that house to get fully used again, or that person to do something amazing with their their new physique, or that piece of furniture to be used in a hip place, or a life where someone isn't depressed. Again, I gotta assume You've either witnessed or experienced something like this before. And it's great. As an observer from the outside, you can see the transformation. But when it comes to people who go through this, actually, the transformation isn't just on the outside that's important. It's also the inside, what happens to them internally. Mary. Mary was transformed, not just in appearance of this demon-possessed life, but also, also I'm assuming she was down on life. I'm assuming she was feeling worthless, unable to do what she desired, feeling without value, feeling without control, and then free. Free, changed of her ways by this man named Jesus. Her transformation was this full switch, not just a makeover, but a completely changed person, internally and externally. And this completely changed person 
chose to then follow Jesus, as in literally walk with him. Scripture, it doesn't say a lot about Mary Magdalene, what happens immediately after her transformation, but she followed Jesus everywhere. She's added to a lot of the verses in the Bible where it says the disciples followed Jesus and Mary Magdalene is usually what it says afterwards. She's present. She helped fund Jesus' ministry. Check this out in Luke 8, 1 through 3. Soon after Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God, he took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. She is very much listed as someone who both was there, helped, and supported Jesus' ministry. Do you get how big of a transformation that is? This woman, who is fully out of it by evil, is healed and doing ministry with the God of the universe. Jesus not only healed her, but he gave her this newfound chance to do something different, to be a part of something extraordinary. As you sit here today, what do you think of that? What does that make you think of the value that you could offer God? What does that make you think of the value others could offer God in the future, no matter what their current state is at right now? Last week, I mentioned I grew up in a small town. Uh, it's this little town where literally everyone knows everyone. Like, I literally know every person who was in my graduating class, at least by name. I honestly, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed my, my upbringing. But with that, and with this small town, brings history. It brings history of everyone. I mean, every individual I grew up with and went to school with and interacted with, we were all just figuring life out together as kids or as young adults. But figuring life out means mistakes. Mistakes. And some small ones and some quite big ones. But in this small town, you knew what everyone did. You just did. Like, to be real and raw with you and not do, like, the politically correct pastor talk for a second here, but growing up in this tiny town, you knew the people who did drugs. You knew the people who slept around a lot. You knew the people who did some illegal stuff. You knew that hurtful thing that person did to another. You knew that person who does the strange stuff on their own. You knew that person who is really mean and disruptive towards others. I'm in my 30s now, and I haven't like, lived in my hometown for like 15 years, so I barely see these people today that I grew up with and have history with. But whether you see this in a positive thing or as a negative thing, on Facebook these days, you get an inner glance of people's lives. If, it, if it's not Facebook, it's Instagram, and if it's not that, it's those random times you run into someone at the grocery store, and when you run into them, you instantly kind of think or say maybe one of these, Johnny, Johnny, you were crazy back then. Like, you were insane. How's life coming along? Or Susie, are you still, are you still with so-and-so? Or did you guys, you guys broke up? Oh, are you with him? No, you're not with him either? Oh, oh. And it's hard not to resort back and think of how people used to be. Again, it could be for both good or bad things. But through the years, now being past my adolescence with this group, people have changed. People have gone through transformations. I maybe don't see it. I don't see it happening because we're not all in this small, t small town anymore. But there are people who are no longer the same as they used to be 15 years ago. 
I mean, if I talk purely about myself for a second here, in my past, in my little town, of what my friends or what people maybe remember me or think of me by, I don't really want them to remember me by who I was then. Like, where they would run into me and be like, Aaron, oh, 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 you were crazy back then. Like, what are you doing these days, man? What are you doing? You still doing that, like, that thing? Are you still, you still doing that, you know? Nah, man, I'm a pastor in Fond du Lac. <laughs> no beep is usually what I get in response. And then I get like, sorry, I swore, uh, is it usually what happens? Which... If that's the case, don't worry if you swear in front of me. I'd prefer you to be real than fake. But I share this with you because I don't want people to remember me by the infirmities or the evil within me back then, no matter how big or small it was, because I've had a transformation with God. I've changed my life. I'm no longer the same like, like what 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I am on a mission with God. I'm on a transformation journey with God. But the biggest reason I wanted to share this story with you about me transforming into who I am today and my history with my little town is in order for that transformation to fully set in and for me to be where I am today, First off, someone had to keep pushing me to go to church or pushing me to consider Jesus. Or in other words, just sharing who God was to me, even in my flaws, even in my infirmities, to get me to a point where I made a personal decision to follow Jesus. And then secondly, when I had a transformation with God, people had to believe in me. They had to believe in me and my transformation as a new person now set on following Jesus. As someone changed, they had to give me a second chance in this new state. And luckily, I did have that. I had some friends who did. My church that I was a part of, they allowed me to do that. My pastor at that time, he believed in me and he allowed me to have a shot at ministry. I wouldn't be where I am today without these people doing these two things for me. Now that's me. What's your story? What's your story? What are you transformed from? Who believed in you after the transformation? Mary had a transformation. It was personal transformation from God, right? And then she also had a physical interaction with Jesus. She had the human Jesus in the flesh. Believe in her. Believe in her transformation. He let her follow him and be a part of his ministry. As we think about this, I feel there are maybe two different groups of people here today, right now. The first group is, you maybe are like Mary. You need transformation. If that's you, know God wants to give it to you through forgiveness. He wants to give you purpose. He wants you to have a fresh start. He wants you to have transformation. To have that, you simply need to tell God in your head and your heart, I want that. I want that transformation. And you can have it. And when you embrace it, God will prompt you to use your transformation through serving or sharing your story, helping others, through being a part of something that maybe is heavy on your heart because Jesus believes in you. He believes in you and gives people like you and me opportunities. The second person that's in the room, though, is you might have done all that already. You are living transformed today, but today you need to be like Jesus, as in be the person who maybe evangelizes to another, as in bring the concept of faith or spirituality or, or the concept of healing that comes from faith to another. Or most importantly, be the person who believes in and supports the transformation that someone's going through. 
Allow them to live and serve and be in their new changed state. As you think about those two people or groups of people, which one are you? Which one do you need to work on this week? As part of this series, Walk This Way, we're also looking at a documentary that The Chosen did on Gen Zers. Uh, last week, I mentioned on how this show, The Chosen, it's connected with multiple generations, but they've specifically seen a lot of success with Gen Z, which is ages 10 to about 26. Uh, which, if you're a Christian in the room hearing that, that should be amazing news because not a lot connects with Gen Z. Gen Z is the least church generation ever. But as part of this documentary, they had nine random Gen Zers watch the show together, none of whom claimed to be Christians ahead of time, and then share their thoughts after watching it together. Here's a little scene of how they responded after watching Mary's story. Check it out. I have called you by name. You are mine. Game of Thrones medieval vibes. Yeah. I think that that makes it interesting. The way Jesus entered, unreal. I mean, like, just. Was he gonna do less? That was, and they wrapped it around to her father. Yeah. I really like how it felt relevant, like the mental health issues that she was going through. Like, or what could be seen as mental health issues today. And just so many people giving up on her. And that's why it really like struck home for her because someone cared enough to say like, I see you, you know, instead of like the problems that she was going through. I deal with mental health issues being somebody who's bipolar, which back in the day, they used to think bipolar people were possessed. But the thing is, I thought it was really interesting when he comes in, he puts his hands on her head as if he's healing her, her brain. Again, it's really interesting to see some of their thoughts and how it impacts them. But as I ask you again, are you Mary, ready to find your value? Or are you like Jesus, ready to help others in their transformed state? We can see Jesus believed in Mary fully. And it's extremely evident in one last giant thing Mary Magdalene is known for in the Bible. And it's rarely reflected on as substantial in the church, but I personally think it should be shouted out from the rooftops because it's huge. What it is, I'm going to tell you it in a second here, but again, there aren't a ton of verses about Mary Magdalene in the Bible, but we see that she's healed. She's a follower of Jesus, and like she kind of follows the disciples. She supports them financially. And we can read, actually, that she's present when Jesus is killed. In John 19, 25, it says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and then Mary Magdalene. This is actually a bigger deal than what you maybe think, because at that time, Jesus chose 12 men to follow him. All of them essentially forsake him and left, ran away. Mary's there. But that's not the point I wanted to point out to you here. After Jesus' death, Mary is at Jesus' tomb. She's actually the first one there when the stone to Jesus' tomb is rolled away days after his death. And while she's there, she gets an experience like no other. 
I want to look at it actually in the passage that it's in in the Bible because it's huge. It's a bit longer, but hang in there with me. It's John 20, 11 through 18. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. You see, Mary is the first to see Jesus defeat death. She's the first to see him resurrected. And she's the first sent by Jesus to share the good news to the disciples. Although Mary wasn't a disciple, she is being sent by Jesus as an apostle, which is an even bigger role, but is sent to share the gospel, which means the good news that Jesus is alive. N.T. Wright, he's probably the most prominent biblical scholar these days, he says this, It is the women who come first to the tomb who are the first to see the risen Jesus and are the first to be entrusted with the news that he has been raised from the dead. This is of incalculable significance. Mary Magdalene and the others are the apostles to the apostles. An apostle is specifically chosen by Jesus to spread the gospel after his death and resurrection. Mary who started as a demon-possessed person, a groupie to Jesus' ministry, to one who supports his ministry and is there through it all, becomes an apostle to the apostles. She has a job that is the most important role a Christian can have with the most important news we have to bring. And she's the first, the first to be able to share it with others. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Maybe I'm just pastor nerding out with you right now, but it is amazing. I mean, this is so countercultural. The first deliverer of the gospel is someone who had a rough past, is someone who was emotionally unstable, is someone who's a woman, which is actually a big deal back then, which N.T. Wright also says her gender. This is perhaps the most astonishing thing about the resurrection narratives. Granted, the universal beliefs of that time in the unreliability of women in a law court or almost anywhere else, it is one of the things which absolutely guarantees that the early Christians did not invent these stories. Jesus sees all with potential value. Whether you're one with a rough past, one who's been controlled by evil, or in a rough place, or with weakness to things, whether you're a man or a woman, or rich or poor, or a typical Christian or not, if you are willing to be transformed by God, you have value, and you can play a role. Will you do something about that today? For us, I think there are four practical clear things that we should do in response to this and seeing the life-changing story of Mary that should be part of our life today. Let me just run through them quickly with you. First off, you need to embrace your value. Embrace your value. Today, if you are feeling like Mary without control in life, without direction or hope or mission or purpose, 
Embrace the fact that God sees you with value. I don't know who this illustration is for, but I think it's going to land with someone. Who would love 20 bucks today? You guys are a rich service, all right? Like, who would love 20 bucks, all right? I think a lot of you would like 20 bucks, right? Who would still take it even if I <laughs> sneezed on it? You'll still take it? Okay. Uh, who would still take it if, if I licked it? It's kind of gross for me, but who, who, who still wants it? I'm just curious. Who still wants it? Okay, okay. Um, who would still take it if they knew it was, it's been in my pocket all morning and it's a little sweaty and, like, you know, it's kind of, you know, moist and just nasty? Who'd still, okay, so you'd still take it. Who would still take it if they knew I didn't wash my hands after using the bathroom? And now I'm... All right. Most of us would still take it, right? Because the value of the bill, it doesn't change with what it goes through. It's constant. Your value to God has always been there. It doesn't change with what you do or what you've done. Luke 12, 6 or 7, it says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more, of more value than many sparrows. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Some of us, that's easier to do than others, but will you embrace what he values, which is you? That he gave his life for you, and that he has a mission for you like he did Mary. Others maybe don't have a mission for you. Others maybe don't have a purpose for you. But God does. Embrace it. The second thing is be transformed. Mary embraced her value and then let herself become who God wanted her to be. She was transformed. For you, have you done that? Or do you just put your Christian makeup on and show up on Sundays? When you see that you have value for God, actually allow God to change you. Actually allow God to make you into a follower of him. Walk with him. Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. To be honest, for me, this is a daily battle that I have to wrestle with, to allow God to transform me, actually. In my email this week, I said that it's been a tougher week for me, like, to just see my value, to see my purpose, to see just kind of where I'm at, and, like, I, I, see, I think people see me, like, in, in a great way or whatever, but what I've realized I'm struggling with is I'm struggling with imposter syndrome, I think is what it's called. Um, it's where you doubt your skills of, and who you are. I have moments of self-doubt where I feel I'm not good enough or where I feel I shouldn't be where I am. Or I shouldn't be seen the way people see me. I'm not working as hard as I should. Or I'm not what I want to be for my kids. Or I'm not the husband I want to be. Or I'm, I'm not as mature as I want to be in my faith. Or I'm not pastor material or leader material. No. And I let these negative thoughts come from me letting who I was 20 years ago in my tiny town in high school. I let those thoughts infiltrate my mind. Thoughts like, you are your own, your, own, you are your past, Aaron. It's like, you've made some big mistakes, unforgivable ones. You don't treat people with respect, so your past shows it, so stop faking. I have these doubts in my mind, but until I call them out and allow the voice of God to be bigger than them and transform them, I will then be still possessed by them until I do that. 
I need to say to myself, 1 John 4, 4, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. I actually make that personal by saying it like this. Like, I belong to God. I have already won a victory over those people or those thoughts because the spirit who lives in me is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. And when I allow that to be spoken over me or it'll sink in for me, I realize although I mess up or have messes, my value is who I am versus what I do. And who I am is a valuable person to God, a valuable person who's walking with God, being transformed by him. So I pursue transformation based off of what God says. Will you? Do you struggle with that imposter syndrome? Do you need to declare to yourself that God sees you with value and then follow his ways? The third thing is you can share the good news. Mary, she maybe wasn't a disciple, but she supported the ministry. She was part of the gathering. She was part of the teachings of Jesus. She helped share the good news. You can have that today. You can have a mission as a Christian to share the good news. Matthew 28, uh, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. That's for all of us. That's for all of us. Embrace it. For you to do that, today, for you, maybe it means simply by starting by showing up on Sundays. It'd be super awkward here for me to be speaking up here if there's only two people here. It'd be weird, right? So maybe your presence is just how you help share the gospel. Being present. Maybe for you, it's an invitation. You invite someone. You have a personal invitation that maybe no one else has the opportunity to invite. Maybe for you, it's to serve to help share the gospel. You have gifts, gifts to work with worship or teens or tech or, or just lifting heavy things. Or maybe you can give. Maybe you have money to help spread the gospel, to help fund this ministry. Be like Mary and play a role in sharing the good news. The last thing is liberate those who are stuck. Jesus is our ideal, and he liberated Mary Without Jesus healing Mary, without him allowing her the opportunity to follow him in her transformed self, she would not have had the change nor the impact she did. If you're a Christian in the room who understands their value, who is consistently transforming into who God wants you to be, and you're trying to share the good news, your next step might be to actively go to liberate those who are stuck today. Maybe for you that starts by being one who doesn't hold a grudge on that person from 15 years ago, but you see them in their new transformed self. Maybe for you is you're one who, who, who serves at a shelter and helps a man get a job who's jobless, even though you disagree with why he's jobless. Maybe you're the one who gives up their guest room at their house for a week or a month or whatever to help someone get liberated from the financial struggles they're going through. Maybe you're going to just help a mom or a dad out with watching their kids to help them just get a, a refresher. You are the one who, ones who can liberate those who are struggling. I get these are kind of lofty statements that are really kind of unlikely to just like choose to do or to just happen unless you're actually following Jesus' lead and his promptings in the moment. Will you listen for those opportunities? Will you walk with Jesus as an act on what he would do? To close, I'm going to pray today that we can see we have value no matter what our past is. Allow God to transform us, share the good news of who he is, and liberate those who are stuck. If you are somewhere on that journey 
I'm going to pray that we act on the one that sticks out to us. If you want that too, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us a clear example through Mary of how we can be transformed, how we can have a purpose. God, I just pray that we act on whatever it is that we need to do, whether it's embracing our value or being transformed or sharing the good news or just liberating those who are maybe stuck. Have us act on the thing that you feel is best for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.